0: Hey guys, it's Rick Clemens. It is time once again for 40 plus real men, real talk. And today we're going to go down that pathway of manhood. What does it really mean? What does it mean to you? What do you see yourself as manhood and your masculinity? And how does that affect you in your life? And I know we all have these interesting thoughts, but um, sometimes I think we get these contrived things. And then suddenly as we move through life, the transformations that happen in life, begin to change our perceptions of manhood, or we see something come up about who we see ourselves as men as we age. And suddenly it's like, wait, I didn't used to see myself quite that way. And whether it's death or a relationship, or maybe somebody even saying, Hey, you're, you're out of here because, well, you're just a little bit too old. These all affect our perspectives of manhood. And I'm bringing a guest to the program who has been on life on closet is my other podcast And his name is Ryan Salins, and he's an amazing guy that I've had the pleasure of interviewing and talking about his life and his journey. And I'm not going to give you any insights because I think the conversation will unfold to where we need to be. So, Ryan, I'm so glad to have you here, man, and excited for you to talk about your new book, um, Transforming Manhood. So, welcome to the podcast, buddy.
1: Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's been a few years since we've chatted, and lots of stuff has gone on for both of us, but um. You've gotten a little older and wiser as we all do. So I'm curious, what was behind this thing with transforming manhood? Why did this suddenly become the thing you knew you needed to write?
1: Well, I've quickly discovered over the years that my life's work is really based on my life's experiences. And so uh, as an author and a speaker, I had a book come out in 2012 called Second Son that explored my transition from female to male living in the heartland. Uh, And over the years I've been traveling across the nation speaking to that story and um, signing copies of my book. And I had something else rumbling underneath my skin that I knew I needed to get down on paper. And that's just the observations and experiences I've had post-transition. Uh, And how people treat me and the uh, interesting labels or judgments or assumptions that people have when they just physically see me or if it's on social media and they see a headline. uh, I've just been taken aback by how quickly we can forget um, the importance of a life's journey and how that journey helps influence future generations and helps create
0: change for them. And as you guys just heard, he is... I hate to even say it, but you're a transgender man. So let's just put it out there and then let's put it away. He's a guy. And, you know, I know some of you are going to go, but wait, female to male, you know, we could go on up on that and we will talk through that to some degree. But you've always seen yourself as a guy pretty much in your mind, Correct. Well, you know,
1: yeah, from my childhood, I had a sense of being male, and then yeah. I lost that because I grew up in the 80s, and so we didn't right. have the conversations we have today, but when I discovered it again in my 20s, at age 25 is when I began my transition, now I'm 40, right. uh, and so, yeah, it's weird to think of my life not just being Ryan.
0: <laughs> right, right, exactly, and I, I think for many people in the transgender world, it, it does become that because it's always been a sense of who you are. But then when you finally take the brave step to say I'm transitioning at whatever level that means for you. And you know, for those of you who aren't really familiar, not all people go through the entire process. Some people go only so far and and they're comfortable in that. But the one thing that never really changed was it's always been there in your mind, how you perceived yourself. And um, I'm glad you said what you just said, Ryan, about (laughs) now that I'm 40, I don't really have any other perception of myself than I'm Ryan. That's -hmm. who you've always been. Um, So as you've gone through this interesting journey to being yourself, who you've always been, what have you discovered about manhood that has challenged you?
1: Well, I I would say something that's really opened my eyes. um, Not necessarily challenging is that uh, I have a deeper appreciation for men Uh, Mm -hmm. through my own transition and through being able to be in male spaces viewed as male. uh, I think oftentimes we have a lot of assumptions about men. Um, We try to push to the extremes of thinking about masculinity in the forms that people want to label as bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it doesn't give men that space to really be empathetic and uh, uh, be understood and be able to show emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've really enjoyed this process of just learning more about Masculinity as a whole which exists on a spectrum um, right. and how we actually are all masculine and feminine beings We all have different forms of expression within us. We're not just either or or one extreme or the other, right? right? right. Uh, so it's really helped me break down my own assumptions uh, about men especially aging men because in the past I've had a lot of discomfort being around uh, men. I perceived as older than me, but now I'm really learning to appreciate uh, their own journeys and, and the stories that I hear from them
0: and I I think in my own mind, I went through the similar thing. It's like, I didn't appreciate the aging guy. And it was about in my forties when I started really starting to appreciate it, that I started to see what manhood looked like in a whole different light because I had come out of the closet. I was taking a stand to be who I was. And then that's when I started realizing, well, for me, this is part of what defines me as a man. And the more I stepped into that and allowed that part to become the core of actually who I'd always been as a man, I started to appreciate guys who took stands and guys who were truly authentic and guys who stepped into that space and said, I own this is who I am and I don't falter from it. And sometimes it wasn't the good stuff or whatever. There's a little bit of judgment that I could throw on that really easily. But I find it interesting when we start to look at this from that perspective of the aging guy can actually be the wisdom guy. And I know that sounds pretty easy and trite to say, but there is so much wisdom in the aging man, as there is in the aging woman, too. But I don't think the younger generation can see that because we think we have it all figured out. And then suddenly we hit this space in life where it's like, ooh, the door kind of opens a little bit different direction. And I think that's what you're kind of getting at is you saw the doorway and it's like, ooh, I can really start to appreciate this.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think something also with aging that makes you a little bit more humble towards life too, is just as you age too, your body changes in Mm -hmm. ways like either from losing hair or turning gray or. Right. Dealing with arthritis, or
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, and so I think it also puts in the perspective that this life does have an expiration date,
0: right, right? So we
1: have to work a little harder to appreciate the moments now and what we can uh, learn and how we interact with one another.
0: All right. Oh, I, and everything you just said, I can totally relate to. I mean, I've been going, I just got a brand new back back thing for my chair to help my lower back issue. I've had some foot issues going on. I had a stroke not long ago. I'm like, okay, well, I guess this expiration date is there, but, you know, I'm still happy. I'm still going forward. But it is an interesting space because, you know, even after I had a stroke a couple of months ago, people are like, aren't you scared? I'm like, well, I kind of was, but I realized. This is what helps you really begin to appreciate life. And it also gives you a different perspective. I see who I see another version of myself now as a man. Mm-hmm. I'm a man who's aging that I want to be more attuned to, okay, what are those things I can be doing? And realizing that, does this make me less than? And one of the things that you brought up before we even came on the air was part of the thing in the book about transforming manhood was that feeling of having no value Mm -hmm. and I'm curious how's that showing up because I think for the the trans experience it and you brought it up so that's why I'm going here there is an interesting almost I'm going to call it jealousy (laughs) that can show up for trans people who are quote what we call passable and then suddenly you get labeled as no value So why don't you kind of go explore that with us for a little bit here? Well, so there's a
1: chapter in my book um, that took me three years to write. And it was an agonizing chapter for me to write. Um, I think I've worn down the polyurethane on my wooden floors from pacing (laughs) back and forth because uh, I was asked to be a speaker to train medical providers um, Mm -hmm. in a small um, city in the heartland and right. and it was they had it hosted on a day called transgender day of remembrance mm-hmm. uh, which is also referred to as t-door a day where we have moments of silence and read names of the individuals that have been murdered that past year um, due to hate and violence and mistreatment and so i gave this talk i shared the article about it and i had a young trans man attack me uh, saying asking if in a very accusatory way online of, I quote, you don't see a problem with a white cis-passing trans man speaking at a T-door event.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that whole chapter person just dives into that. And having that language thrown at me and being referred to as cis-passing, that was something I'd never heard before. This is back in 2016. And it completely erased my whole lived experience as a trans person that has been fighting for the trans community and actually the LGBT community as a whole, uh, mm-hmm. since I came out back in 2005. And so then just having to grapple with, well, how do people see me? And, um, should I not be speaking? Should I not be using my voice because mm-hmm. of my appearance and, and, you know, going back and forth with that, I realized that's not helpful. Um, right. and so I'm hoping with, we- through the book, we can have deeper thoughts and challenge ourselves a little bit more about Mm -hmm. how quickly we want to label or judge someone based on what we see or based on the headline uh, on social media.
0: Right. But I also think what happens in those cases, or what I believe happens in those cases, is there's a concept within, and I don't know this person, but I'm just going to go out there. There's a, a concept within their own mind of, how can Ryan be this when I'm incapable of being this? There's like almost a, well, he's passing, but I'm not. So then that jealousy comparison and, you know, the the old quote comparison is the killer of joy. There was a piece of joy that he was killing within himself by bringing that up. It's like, well, maybe because of what Ryan has transpired and, And for those of you who don't even know what Ryan looks like, I would invite you to Google. We'll have some photos of a photo of him too. But Ryan is for all intents and purposes, a very masculine guy and people sometimes go, but, but, but (laughs) let go of the butts. This is Ryan. He's a guy. And I think that jealousy is what gets in the way of so many things for so many people And I've had the same thing happen. You can't, you're not really gay because you were married and you had, you birthed children. Go figure. You know, it's the same sort of thing. It's these definitions of manhood within our own LGBTQ community that exacerbate sometimes what society as a whole starts to see about our own community. So as you experience that, what was the thing that was able to help you like step beyond and some insights you saw from that experience that helped you grow through that and finally master this chapter, so to speak.
1: (laughs) Well, I had a good two or three months of just self-pity and hating myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But fortunately, I actually started therapy again because of this, which I'm actually very grateful for because it allows me to be challenged in Mm -hmm. a room with someone and push back on the self-doubting self-talk that I've had. So what it really taught me is to try to step into other people's shoes and ask myself what is really going on here because mm-hmm. this really wasn't about me speaking right. it was something deeper that this person was struggling with mm-hmm. uh, and i'm so i'm trying to do that more and more on all issues so this book explores politics it sp- explores relationships uh and i'm always trying to put myself in other people's shoes even when i was at a speaking event where some kids came in wearing uh, make america great hat great again mm-hmm. hats on and just my experience with that as well um, we need to allow space for the discomfort um, in order to hopefully listen or take away something to expand our own understanding of the topics we don't understand. But it's hard. It is. This is <laughs> lifelong is very, work. <laughs> it is.
0: It's very hard. And, you know, ironically, right before we got on the call, I was having a, a conversation with um, actually a technical company And it was one of those conversations, well, it sounds like you're the one causing the problem. And of course, that just, boy, that just pushes me up when it's a technical thing. It's like, well, no, your thing is not working the way it's supposed to. And, you know, we're coming up on doing this recording and I'm like, okay, I I don't have time for this. And the one thing I realized after I got off the phone is I wasn't allowing myself to kind of step into their shoes and I needed to do more of that, even though I do know this issue is not happening the way they're saying it, you know, and it reminded me, okay, Rick, sometimes you got to like, just take the breath and go, okay, so you're saying it's this, I'm saying it's this, how are we going to resolve this? Because that's what it takes to be empathetic and step into those kind of shoes, but it's not easy. Mm -mm. In fact, it's probably one of the hardest thing I think for we, for we as men to do because our masculine energy is so strong at times. And I don't care if you're gay, straight, bi, trans, whatever. That masculine energy prevents us so often from stepping into those other shoes. Well, maybe every once in a while, I'll step into a nice pair of heels, but <laughs> <laughs> you never know. So, uh, but as you wrote the book, as we all do, that write books. I'm starting to write my second one. What did you discover most about yourself as a man? Because I think we do these things and then suddenly in the midst of them for most of us, it becomes a very cathartic experience. Is there something Mm -hmm. you started to see in yourself as you were writing this one?
1: Uh, I mean, there's just so many layers that I think, especially when you dive into writing that you start to learn about yourself as you challenge yourself. Uh, I think for me, again, what I was able to do through this book is just to break down the stereotypes of the word man uh, and our assumptions of that word and recognize that really this it's, there's so many <laughs> things that fall underneath that word right. that it's not just one thing and it's not a stereotype and it's not
0: again good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the is and this is one of those big questions, Ryan, so you can slap me if you want to but What do you think the definition of manhood is for you?
1: Uh, I say for me personally is being able to walk in this world and live in this world as a man, because Mm -hmm. I am, I'm not a woman, uh, but move them past that word and just being able to live in this world as finally a full human, Mm -hmm. um, with my beard and, Yep. my muscles that I kind of have that they're shrinking a little
0: bit with age too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know? That happens. Trust uh, me. They either yeah. shrink or other stuff starts to add on. So yeah, yeah. that's going to happen. Cause I, I know you're much leaner built than I am, but I'm like, okay, <laughs> this, this fat thing, it's like I eat well, but you know, Hey, why do you continue to blossom overnight? And I'm like, Really? you're just going to keep growing, aren't you? But it it is an interesting thing. But I love this, what you just said, to to walk and live in the world as a man, but more as just a human. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful because if we took away the labels, at the end of everything, we're just human. And so many people don't see that piece because we put the labels on the label. And especially you as someone who has been through this in a a way that most people will never experience because everything that's gotten you where you are is because there's a label. You were a woman, quote, woman, (laughs) and now you're a man. But at the end of the day, Ryan's a human. It's that simple. And and if we took away the labels, I'm wondering how different the experience would be
1: Yeah, you saying that just made me quickly go to just a couple sentences I wrote in the book that I said, being transgender, you quickly see how messaging around gender deeply impacts our understanding of self and expression, and also how quickly society can push you into the box it feels most comfortable with constructing. What we need to understand is that a given label and the associated box do not define a person, but rather confine them.
0: Mm. I love that. A given label does not define the person, but combines them. Wow. That's powerful, man. And I have felt that myself. You know, oh, you're not gay because you bred a child. (laughs) There's a whole label there. Mm -hmm. It's as if I'm less of a gay man because I was able to have sex with a woman. I mean, and then I know you get this because there's this whole thing that happens in with people in their view of transgender that it, it all starts with, Oh, it's a sex thing. No, no, no. It, uh, it starts at a whole different place. Folks, let us pull out the book and teach you, you know, their sexuality is a whole different piece of who they are. And, um, it, it's very frustrating when we see this, but I love that given label. Um, that was powerful, man. I'm so glad you wrote this. So, what's your biggest hope for this book what would you like to see it do for someone who picks up the book and reads it
1: i would like people to be able to sit and read the whole book and to be open and to start to recognize where they're being assumptive uh, where they have potentially labeled or judged someone uh and try to take a pause and take a step back and recognize that this world is not gonna change if we continue to point fingers, if we continue to close our ears, if we continue to just try to dismiss someone uh, because of either their political identity, their religious or spiritual identity, their age, their disability, any of that. We, we, (laughs) We are so complex and this life is so challenging that we need to start appreciating the whole being and also recognize that we're gonna screw up this is all part of the learning process, um, and we need to give that space to be able to continue to grow, because if we don't, we're not, and we're not going to be able to live in a world where we can work together.
0: And the book just came out, right? Yes, that's awesome. it did. And it'll be available, I'm assuming, wherever Find Books can be sold it'll be available in all those locations and um you're gonna be doing any kind of a book tour or just using it as you go out and speak or a little bit of both uh
1: a little bit of both but mostly it'll be traveling with me when i go out and speak yeah Yeah. that's awesome that to be the most effective way to one be able to get people interested in more invested in a story is actually sitting and listening to someone uh, before picking it up and reading
0: yeah absolutely
1: so one last
0: question before we wrap it up here man um What are you appreciating most about being a man now that you're in your 40s? Um,
1: I think being able to feel more confidence in using my voice uh, and also being more able to be an ally to women. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple weeks ago, I was at one of my favorite uh, brewery slash restaurants in town. And my friends and I noticed there was this guy at the bar that kept hitting on the bartender who was, A very attractive woman, but that's not, (laughs) you know, yes, she was, but you shouldn't be just hanging on her. And I could tell that she was really uncomfortable and I could tell she kept Mm. leaving and walking in the kitchen and had really short answers. And finally he he hit on her again. And I just said, Hey buddy, knock it off. She Mm. doesn't want it. It's considered sexual harassment. Stop. Mm. Uh, And he did stop. But then when he was leaving, he came up to me. This was a big guy, very, Mm -hmm. very big guy compared compared to me. He wrapped his arm around me and was like basically bear hugging me. And he just wanted to beat me up. Right. And (laughs) I guess, you know, it's like, I'm still proud of myself for being an ally towards her. And I think what happened in that moment is that this guy just doesn't understand, but I'm hoping maybe he can open up Mm -hmm. his eyes a little bit more and have more awareness about where's, It's appropriate and inappropriate um, Mm -hmm. to have those type of actions. (laughs) Um, I I wish I would have got a free drink over that, but that's
0: okay. (laughs) That's okay. But the the thing is, is you took the chance, you did what you knew in your heart, you felt you needed to do, and you you went a direction that most guys would probably hold back from doing, even if they feel it. Mm -hmm. They would hold back from doing it, you know, and um, good on you, man it's awesome
1: yeah he's like you know i really just want to beat you up right now and i just said to him i'm sure you do mm -hmm. (laughs) in a very calm way exactly exactly
0: (laughs) well that's awesome well i'm so excited for you in the book i'm glad you're continuing to use your voice ryan and and i'm really glad that we got to reconnect again it's been a while and um i follow you from afar and always just enjoy seeing what you're bringing to the world and doing and thanks for carving out time to be here on 40 plus real men real talk i really appreciate it man
1: yeah absolutely rick thank you for having me
0: of course and we will have everything you need to connect with ryan on the website his website and where you can get the book and all that sort of stuff but um and guys just remember just because of who you are and the label you wear does not define who you are as a man that's a wrap for 40 plus real men real talk where size doesn't matter We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk, where the conversations continue.